We're going to talk today about being super and what it means to be super. Because I have to tell you, growing up as a teenager in Seattle, I thought that the Supersonics were the best. We're going to talk about a Philippine pastime right now, not karaoke. We're going to talk about basketball, all right? But the Seattle Supersonics, as a teenager, I thought were so amazing. This is Gary Payton, number 20, one of the best point guards of all time, all right? Anybody old school basketball fan? Yeah? Woo, yeah. So Gary Payton, I had all of his cards. I had all of his merch. Oh, man, if he was a YouTuber, I would have clicked and subscribed right from the beginning. Then <laughs> Gary Payton went from being super awesome to moving in next door to me. <laughs> it was a super awesome dream come true. He was living right next door to me. I thought, this is it. Now we can become BFFs. This is going to be awesome. And as I lived next door to him, he would bring the other Seattle Supersonics over to his house, and I could watch them playing basketball in the backyard court that he built. Oh, it was a basketball lover's dream. And I thought, oh, look at the Seattle Supersonics. There they are. It's Detlef Shrimp and Sean Kemp and all of my favorites. Ah! And Gary Payton's my next door neighbor. But as I got to know him living next door to him, he went from being super awesome to being simply ordinary. And he became a really, I realized he's a guy like all the rest of us with all sorts of uh, quirks and flaws and imperfections. And he's, he's just a, a normal guy that's just really good at basketball. <laughs> and maybe that's happened to you sometime. There's been someone that you've met that you held in really high esteem, and then you met them and you realize, oh, they're just simply ordinary. Or maybe it, it, you met somebody and you have this idea of the perfect Mr. or Mrs. Wright, <laughs> And you meet them and you think, ha, oh, this is the one. And then you, as you get to know them, you go, oh, they're a one. <laughs> or maybe it's a job that you think, wow, it would be great. Maybe it's living in Dubai that you think is super. When you see Dubai from far off and you think, I would love to live in Dubai. I'm going to drive one of those fast cars. This is going to be amazing. And you live here and you realize it's, it is a very spectacular city, but there's a lot of ordinary life that goes on in Dubai. Whatever it is, whether it's that business promotion, that new phone, the new toy, the relationship that you want, whatever it is, we're always longing for something super in our lives. And I have to tell you, if it's anything other than Jesus, you're going to be disappointed. You're going to realize it's not super awesome. It's just simply ordinary. I'm done living sim simply ordinary life. Because simply ordinary life has a lot of disappointment, a ton of discouragement, and just a lot of letdown. But today we're going to see that our king will never let us down. We're going to see today three gifts, three prophecies, and three directive dreams. They're going to, show, going to show us three reasons of why our king is super. Actually, life with him reigning and ruling in our lives, with him as our boss, we have super lives as well. Do you agree? Well, if you are here visiting and you would say, I don't really know about that, we're glad you're here. 
And if you're tuning in online and you're watching Exploring About Jesus, we're delighted that you're watching with us. Stick with us. And because we're going to see today in these, in these three sets of three, these three reasons of why King Jesus is so amazing, we're going to see the two responses that we're called to, two ways of living that we have, and that we'll walk out of here today transformed. So let's start with the three gifts. The three gifts happen uh, with the magi or the wise men. How many wise men were there? We three kings of or No, that was last season, wasn't it? No, there, how many wise men were there? Actually, we don't know how many wise men there were. How many gifts did they bring? That's right. They brought three gifts. We know that. So these, uh, these foreign dignitaries from far off saw the star and they come to worship this newly born king. Let's read in God's word as we see the story unfolding. This is about two years after Jesus was born. Let's read. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. But when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. Oh man, there's so much in that first section. There's so much that we see. We see that these foreign dignitaries who are, are looking at the stars and a ton of respect is due to them in their home country. The Magi were like uh, advisors. They were very well educated, extremely smart, and also spiritual. And so they see that they have been studying the ancient Hebrew texts, and they see that this star is here. And so they say, we have traveled all this distance. <laughs> I love it in the text when they talk to Herod the king. You see Herod the king. <laughs> they knew that it was the king, but Herod wanted to be the king. Have you ever wanted to be the boss when the boss is gone? Yeah? Or do, do some people act like the boss when the boss is gone? And what happens when the boss comes? <laughs> now you know how Herod felt, right? You see, Herod was, uh, was born in, in a place, because of his geographical heritage, he knew he could never have the affection of the Jews that he was to rule over. The very people that he was supposed to rule over, he knew that they didn't respect him. And so he had to work uh, through political scheming. He worked through assassinations. He had three of his children killed along with one of his wives just to stay in power. Now, I know the people you work with like power, but that's crazy. And so Herod is working so hard, scrambling to be the king. And then he hears that the king of the Jews has been born. He starts freaking out. He's, he's very troubled. Because Herod connects the dots before anyone else in this story. Herod sees that the king of the Jews has been born and he calls this person the Christ. He knows the ancient Hebrew texts that promise a deliverer, a rescuer, a perfect ruler that will save all of his people. He connects and knows that this, first, this king that has just been born is the promised Christ. 
And so Herod starts to scramble. And even though the wise men recognize that he's worthy of worship, Herod doesn't because he wants to hold on to that crown, not give it up. So he gathers together the high priests, the, the scribes, the teachers of the law. He gathers all the religious people together and says, hey, you guys, hey, let's talk. Let's talk. And he does it in secret. Hey, guys, psh, psh, come here. So let's just say that this promised Messiah, let's just say that he shows up. Well, what would that mean for someone that maybe is in authority? I mean, he's freaking out. In fact, he, when he freaks out, everybody else freaks out. It does, says all Jerusalem with him was, was scared. In fact, this group that he's with, the high priests, the elders, uh, teachers of the law, th- these are a group of people in the book of Matthew, and you'll see it come up again and again and again in the book of Matthew as we go through Matthew. When these guys come together, they are opposed to Jesus. They're always opposed to Jesus. You see them all the time, sometimes individually, sometimes together. Whenever you see high priests, scribes, teachers of the law, the high priests and teachers, the elders, whenever you see that language in the book of Matthew, just think, dun, 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 okay? Because there's some bad guys coming in. All right, Herod then gathers them all together and he starts freaking out. Then Herod summoned the wise men. Uh, He summoned them secretly. Hey, come here, come here, come here, come here. Come, come, eat, drink. I'm your best friend. Let's talk, he says. And he ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go, go search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring word that I too may come and... Worship him. Now, if you think Herod is telling the truth, that he really does want to worship this king, why don't you point this way for the truth? And if you're, in the, if you're watching online, just type in the comments saying he's for real, all right? Now, if you think that he's lying, he has some ulterior motives, point this way or in the chat section, just write he's lying, all right? Ready? Vote. One, two, three. Let's see your hands. Yeah, you guys. I saw one person like, yeah, that's how, that's how the wise men felt. These wise men who were really educated, they, they, they even they, uh, actually didn't know that Herod was lying at the time, but he was. He says, go, go search diligently, take all the time you need, and then please tell me where he is. I have a little <clears throat> gift I want to give him. <laughs> Woo! So after listening to the king, the wise men went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. They didn't just see him and go, huh, thought he'd be bigger. No, they didn't go, oh, hey, no, okay. Been there, done that. Let's get the t-shirt. We're out of here, guys. No, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Think about when your team wins the World Cup and how you're going, woo! That's kind of what it was. They were so excited. They, were, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. 
The Greek word for worship, proskuneo, means to, to lay yourself out on the ground uh, in worship and reverence of someone. They fell down and then fell down to worship him. When something is repeated, it's important. When something is repeated, it's important. When something is repeated, it's important. Rejoice exceedingly with great joy. It, it was a big celebration that they fell down and then they fell down to worship him. It, it, if there's any doubt in our minds what their response was, they knew that he was worthy of worship. And they gave him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Uh, you know what gold is, right? You've been to the gold souk. You know what gold is, huh? Gold, really valuable. Frankincense, myrrh, uh, scents. Uh, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Uh, you know the sense like when you're walking through the mall and then all of a sudden you smell some really great incense. Have, have you done that? And you're like, ooh, that smells nice. Oh, yeah, let me see how much is, ooh, that smelled nice. That was really good, thank you. <laughs> it, it's expensive. And they give these expensive gifts to Jesus because they know that he's worthy of worship. These are gifts to a king. They knew and they traveled a long, long way because they knew that they wouldn't be disappointed. They knew that King Jesus was worthy of worship. They traveled a long way. We know what it's like to travel a long way, don't we? In fact, uh, if you're online, you can participate just by writing in the chat. But I want everyone in the main hall and our video overflows to just stand up right where you are. All right, just stand up right where you are. Yep, stand up. Stand up, stand up, here you go. All right, now, if you have a direct flight, think about going home. If you have a direct flight, get on a plane in Dubai, and then you get off at home. Uh, just sit down if you have a direct flight home. No other flights. <laughs> Lucky. <laughs> all right, we're going to see who travels the longest to get home, all right? Now, if you have one connecting flight, sit down, right where you are. Just one connecting flight, then sit down, all right? Let's see. Anybody left? Okay, okay. Does anybody have more than two connecting flights? No, two, okay. Uh, let's see. How long does it take you to get home? 50 hours. Okay, how long? 24 hours, man. How long? 22, 24, 50 in the back in the pink shirt. How long does it take you to get home? 28. Woo! Now, you know you live a long ways away when you have to calculate going home in a matter of days, not hours. <laughs> now, 24, 25, 28, 50. I just want to make sure that's five zero, right? Not one five. <laughs> 50 hours. Is it worth it to go home? <laughs> Some people are like, well, no, not really. <laughs> if you spend that much time in a plane, especially if you spend that much time in a plane in economy class, <laughs> is it worth it? Yes. Yeah, you, you know it's worth it. 
you know it's a long journey. And so the, the, the Magi spent probably months on this long journey, going into a foreign land to bring, to bring gifts to a baby because he's worthy of worship. The question today is, do you seek our king? Do you seek our king? I mean, do you, do you think about him? Do you pour out effort? Do you, is all the sacrifice, is all of that worth it? If our king isn't worthy of worship, then maybe a bunch of pagan astrologers from a far off land know Jesus better than you do because they thought he's worthy of worship. Our king is worthy of worship. And we see that's what the three gifts show us, that that he's worthy of worship. He's worthy of sacrifice. And as you get to know King Jesus, you realize he really is worthy of worship. And sometimes we can get distracted or other times we can want to hold on to that control, to hold on to the crown. That's what happened to Herod. You see, when Herod heard all this, he was troubled. He was troubled. He was dismayed. He was so angry. And when he started freaking out, everyone around him, all Jerusalem was like, oh, no, Herod's freaking out. This is not good. Do you have a boss that when he goes on a rampage, you're like, oh, no, everyone's afraid now. Everybody starts being, being afraid of him. And we see that, that Herod now wants to cling to the crown of this usurped throne And God, (laughs) you can't hold on to a crown that belongs to God. And we see even though Herod is going to try and stop God's work, we see that our king is God's promise fulfilled. That our king, King Jesus, is God's promise fulfilled. And there's no stopping God's promises from being fulfilled. Where Jesus was born in Bethlehem. It says in Bethlehem of Judea, For so it is written by the prophet. This is the prophet Micah. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, you are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. In Micah 5, it talks about uh, how this this promised one would be born in Bethlehem. Bethlehem. It's not a a place of great merit, but, but Bethlehem. That's where he'll be born. And then it combines Micah 5 with uh, 2 Samuel 5 about being a shepherd to my people. A shepherd. So here's King Herod. King Herod. (laughs) And King Herod now, everyone runs in fear of this crazy man that wants to hold on to the crown. And he hears about this one that will shepherd people. That will lead and feed and guide and protect God's people. This king that is feared and nearly rejected hears of a promised one that will be, uh, that has been longed for and that people should accept. Jesus as shepherd, by the way, in the book of Matthew, you want to pay attention every time Jesus is mentioned as shepherd. He's mentioned as a shepherd many times in the book of Matthew, connected to the Old Testament um, mentioning of a shepherd. Does anybody come from a family that, of herders? You, you herd animals, you herd goats, you herd sheep. Now, sh- sheep follow 
their shepherd. They know the voice of their shepherd. They, they know that the shepherd will lead them, will feed them, will protect them, will guide them around. That's not Herod. And so he freaks out. He freaks out and, and he, he does the unthinkable. But before he does that, uh, an angel appears to Mary and Joseph and an angel says, hey, Mary and Joseph, Herod is about to flip and you guys have to get out of here. And so although they're in Bethlehem, Mary and Joseph gather up their things. And then it says in verse 14 that he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt. So they go to Egypt, and there, as expats, as world wanderers, <laughs> these global nomads remain in Egypt until the death of Herod. And even though Herod was trying to stop God's promises from being fulfilled, it actually led to one of God's promises being fulfilled from Hosea that says, out of Egypt, I've called my son. <laughs> and if you, were to write, if you were to write this story, you'd say, wait, but Jesus is in Bethlehem. How is he going to get to Egypt? And then Herod applies this pressure that sends them off to Egypt, fulfilling yet another prophecy. You see, the king of kings is so worthy of worship, he blows the dust off of ancient prophecies and fulfills them as God's promises. There's so many more prophecies of Jesus in the Old Testament that have led up to this moment. And so the third prophecy is probably the most disturbing. And the third prophecy shows us what, what fake power does when it's threatened by the real deal. Let's read the prophecy and then I'll explain how it feeds into our story. A voice was heard in Ramah weeping and loud lamentation. Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. You see... Herod knows that Jesus is two years old and younger because of the star and what the wise men had said. Two years old and younger. And he's threatened by an army of toddlers. <laughs> in fact, let's just, if you have a child under age two, whether you're in platinum seating or whether you're here, uh, just stand up. If you have a child under the age of two, let's just remind ourselves what someone under the age of two looks like, all right? Yeah? Let's see, do you have them? Let's see. Oh, we have some. Look, so small. So small. Oh, yeah. In fact, I've asked, I've asked some families, if your kids are awake and you can come up here bringing your kids under two. I've talked to you ahead of time because we're on YouTube. Go ahead and, and sit down, you guys. That's great. Do we have any families that have kids that are awake that want to come up and just show us what two, under two years of age looks like? That's, that's great. Oh, man. Now, now Herod was so, so freaked out by this. I want to warn you, okay? This was really scary to Herod, okay? Online, watch out. Be careful, okay? Now. Oh, hi. Oh, oh. Now, now I'm standing really close. Oh, yeah, okay. I'll stand over here. I'll stand over. Okay. Thank you, Dad. Thank you so much. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> oh. If you're watching online and you couldn't hear that, she said, Mommy. Oh. A loud crowd is scary to someone who's young. 
but yet the tables are turned. Herod is the one screaming. He's the one crying. He's the one so afraid because Jesus, who's this little toddler, he is so worthy of worship and the king of kings has now arrived that Herod is afraid of all kids age two and younger because they threaten his throne. And we see Herod make a move that happens when usurped power tries to hold on to the crown that belongs to the king of kings. When, when those who fake to be in control clamber for any control, they do desperate and horrendous things. Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old and under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. You see, when rebellion happens in the face of authority that doesn't need to be validated or introduced, when rebellion happens, the result is death, destruction, tragedy, complete heinous and horrific acts as he's doing everything just to hold on to control. And if you are part of this story, you may think, well, what about Jesus? What about Jesus? I mean, is God's plan threatened by Herod? Absolutely not. Because then we see it now in our three directive dreams that our king is unstoppable. Even what people intend for bad, God uses for good. Even when people do atrocious things, there is, God can redeem that. And we see these, that our king is unstoppable. In fact, Mary and Joseph are in Egypt, probably using the gold and frankincense and myrrh to live off of while they're in Egypt. We see uh, the first directive dream happen uh, when the wise men came. And they weren't quite as wise as all of you. They didn't know it was a lie right away. And so they were warned in a dream that Herod really wants to harm Jesus, not worship him. So they went on, they departed to their own country another way. It, we already heard about the dream of when Joseph received this dream from the angel that says, Rise, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to worship him. No, <laughs> to destroy him. And so uh, we see that there is nothing stopping God's plan that our king is unstoppable, that God is even meeting people in dreams to direct them according to his plan. That's how powerful our king is. <clears throat> Pardon me. That our king is so powerful that, that he can even appear in dreams. And some people have asked, before we get to the third dream, let's put a pause button. Some people have asked, uh, what about dreams today? God speaking through dreams today. Oh, we could talk for a long time about that, but here are three really helpful questions as, you, as we process this together. The first one, is it consistent with what God says? Does it sound like the voice of God? The only way that we know what God's voice sounds like is, is in the scriptures, because God has already revealed himself to us in the Bible, so as we read the Bible, we get to know what God sounds like. Number two, 
does it support what God has already says and said in Scripture? God is never going to reveal something in a dream uh, that contradicts what he's already revealed to us in Scripture. So Scripture, the Bible, is our primary authority for life. And then it, if God chooses to, to complement that uh, through dreams or through uh, the Holy Spirit as we're reading the Word, fine. But the primary voice is, is the Word of God. And last, is it for God's glory? Notice that God didn't have a dream to Joseph and say, Joseph, I want you to invest in Bitcoin. <laughs> because if you invest in Bitcoin now, you're going to have an awesome ride later. I mean, your donkey will be the sleekest donkey. <laughs> Joseph didn't have a dream and say, Mary, we need to invest in Bitcoin. All right? Because I saw this donkey. No, no, no. It was all for God's glory. It's, it's to further God's story. God is the main character. He's the hero in the story. So the last dream, uh, when Joseph and Mary, they're in Egypt, they're living off of the gold, the frankincense, the myrrh, uh, Herod dies, and then uh, Joseph is visited in another dream. It says, rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. Huh, woohoo! Expats get to go home. Refugees get to go back home. Oh, man. And, he said, and they said, guess what? It's safe now. And he rose and he took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But then he heard that a guy even crazier than Herod was reigning over Judea, Archelaus. By the way, historians believe that he was probably certifiably crazy because of really close inbreeding. I mean, this guy had a really bad reputation. And, and he was reigning over Judea in place of his father, Herod. He was afraid to go there. And then Joseph was warned in a dream again. He withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he, went in a, and he went and lived in a city called Nazareth. So that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled. That he would be called a Nazarene. A Nazarene. <laughs> a Nazarene. Oh, man. Do you have a place in your home country where everybody kind of makes fun of you if you're from that place? That, that's what Nazareth was like. It's like, <laughs> can anything good come out of Nazareth? Oh, man. There are jokes about Nazarenes. Like, you know, you would say a joke like, how many Nazarenes does it take to screw in a light bulb? They didn't have light bulbs back then, but you know what I mean, right? But, but he will be called a Nazarene. And I started searching the scriptures. Where does it say that Jesus will be called a Nazarene? It doesn't say that Jesus will be called a Nazarene. But the idea that the Messiah will be someone who is lowly. Who, someone who is despised, someone who everyone else looks on and goes, <laughs> you're from Nazareth. Ugh. See, nothing good comes out of Nazareth. <laughs> no, because it's not his, where he comes from, his home. His authority as king isn't because he's from Bethlehem or from Nazarene, because his home is heaven, <laughs> Because God himself has come. Our king is unstoppable no matter where he's from, no matter who tries to take him out. Our king is completely unstoppable. Do you believe it? Do you really believe? Just think of it, if you're facing opposition, our king is unstoppable. He takes this refugee family living in Egypt with no money and provides for them. Our king is unstoppable. Face to face with horrific injustice, our king is unstoppable. 
traveling back home without a real home country. True global nomads. Our king is unstoppable. Later on in the book of Matthew, we'll see that he was betrayed, wrongfully accused, and killed. And even death can't stop our king. Our king is unstoppable. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Do you believe it? Do you believe that he is worthy of worship? <clears throat> because now we have our two responses because we believe he really blows the dust off of ancient prophecies, fulfilling all of God's promise, that he is worthy of worship. We see that there's nothing that can stop him. And so if you want to hold on to the crown and declare war against God, that's one choice. Or you can direct worship to God. The choice we have today face-to-face -face with our unstoppable king, is it going to be war declared against God or worship directed to God? Right now, you're going to exit the doors in about five minutes after our closing song. And you're going to be faced with that decision. You're going to be faced with that decision. Do you want to hold on to the control or do you want to, again, direct your worship to the king of kings, the only one that's worthy of worship? There's a lot of things that can distract us here and now. I want to remind you, no matter what you're going through, our king is unstoppable. If you're facing opposition, know that Jesus died to make you so you would have no opposition with the Father, so you can be in a right relationship with him. If you've come here with a broken heart, I want you to know that Jesus died so that your heart could be mended in the deepest way possible. If you've come here either confused or conflicted, know that because of Jesus we have hope of reconciliation. If you come here just completely battered and bruised, your heart is crumpled up, know that not only is he the king of kings, but he is the prince of peace. That only in him can we have a super life. And that's a life connected with the Father, forgiven and at peace. We worship the king of kings. Our king is unstoppable. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we can be reminded that as we are dissuaded from directing our worship to the king, that you would help us to focus. You would help us to see that there, no matter what we are in, we know that your kingdom is unstoppable. Help us to direct our worship to the king. Father, right now, the, the heartbreaks that we're facing, the, the big decisions that are ahead, whatever it is we know, that the best thing we can ask is your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. God, the injustices that we face, the challenges that we have at work, whatever it is, we just lay before you now, knowing that your kingdom is unstoppable. We love you and we praise you. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray through the Spirit. Amen. Amen. Amen.